This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny from Chestertown, Maryland. And you are listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Thursday, April 22nd. This episode is a special episode on the Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Supreme Top Form. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. (gasps) Uh, uh, Of horses, that is. And on today's show, we're going to chat with Horses in the Morning's beloved co-host, Jamie Jennings. Oh, you mean the other one? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to go over the do's and don'ts and everything in between about buying and selling horses. Nobody wants to hear about your thoughts, Glenn. (laughs) They want to hear about Jamie's thoughts. I bought a few horses in my day. (laughs) (laughs) You have. (laughs) And speaking about that, about having buyers or sellers agents for the whole process would actually be a very good I wish I had had uh, one for a couple of those purchases. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and she also doesn't know it yet, but we're going to go over a bunch of auditor questions. Uh, I submitted a thing in the auditor group, and I got a ton of feedback, so I'm super excited. And I'm actually going to have Dr. Mark Donaldson back from Unionville Equine, and he's going to answer some questions. And I'm a little nervous. I've given him free reign. He's going to just go off and tell us about his thoughts. <laughs> we'll right, just leave great. it at that. He's always fun. I like having yeah. him on the show. And I'm filling in because your uh, your your new temporary co-host is uh, showing <laughs> or something this week. Uh, she is in Texas, um, and then they get back. And so that's Jess Montgomery. And so she'll be back. And one of these days, I'm going to get Charlie to come back from <laughs> Land Is of he the alive kangaroos. down there? What's going on down in Australia? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you never know with Charlie. I, I think he might have, you know, the dingo ate my baby. That might be what happened. Dingo ate my Charlie and he's gone. <laughs> but I, I actually have talked to him. He's just super duper busy uh, breaking young horses and uh, working with clients. So he will be back eventually. Yeah, it was always hard. It, it is hard for us to do the Australian New Zealand crowd too because of the time difference. It's just, it's always awkward. It, it's an awkward time for one or the other, for us or them. Well, you know, it, yeah. It just, because we're hitting him right in the morning when he needs to be making money. When doing everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking about making money, how about we talk about Supreme Top Form before we get to our first guest who I hang out with on a regular basis on this show? So she can wait, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's used to waiting for commercials, so. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Supreme Top Form is a joint supplement that is 99.8% pure glucosamine hydrochloride and 99% pure hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid works by inhibiting the formation of inflammatory products in joints, which cause pain and cartilage destruction. Glucosamine has been shown to counteract the negative effects on cartilage of steroid administration. Glucosamine also serves as a building block for new cartilage formation. Glucosamine and hyaluronic acid do not cause significant side effects that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents may induce. 
It is concentrated, easy to feed, and cost-effective. It is independently lab-tested for purity, so you know that what you get is what is on the label. They have both dog and horse supplements, which is great for any horse person. You don't see many horse people without a dog. Visit panamvetcore, that's C-O-R-P, dot com for more information. You know, Jennifer has been taking, not this particular one, because these are for horses and dogs, but she takes the human version of with this exact thing, glucose, uh, glucosamine and hydro... I can't say that word. Oh, they're big acid. words for you. I know. <laughs> That's- she takes this, she's been taking it for years because she has bad knees from all of the eventing accidents <laughs> over the years. Yep. So, um, you know, she's broken every bone in her body. So it does help. She can function. She can ride. She can do all those things. I don't think if she was out taking those pills every day, she'd be able to do it. Yeah, so it really, it does, really does. And having been made by a vet, you know, it it speaks volumes. They, you know, the they formula is going to be correct. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, and we're just super thankful that they are the title sponsor for this episode. PanAmVetCore.com. Yep. PanAmVetCore.com. And you'll find that, too. Uh, if you're ever wondering about something we talk about in the show, a guest link or one of the links we talk about, whether it's a sponsor or guests or us as hosts or whoever, you can find them right in your show notes. And most players now, if you just scroll up or down or left or right, you're going to see the show notes. You can click on it right in your phone and go right to it. So it's that easy. They've, they've improved that over the years with podcast players. So you can find that right there. Want to get to our first guest? Absolutely. You you talk to her every day. You talked to her this morning. Yep. So let's uh, <laughs> welcome Jamie Jennings to the show. All right. So we have Jamie on the line. Jamie, you're no Hello. stranger to this. Hello, friend. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? No, it's been I, eight years serious? since she's been on on a Thursday. But <laughs> I mean, you seriously, but like you say, I'm not stranger to it. I'm actually nervous to be interviewed. This is weird. <gasps> I don't get interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not very good at interviewing, so here we are. <laughs> We're going to win. <laughs> You're going to have to interview yourself and go. Um, <laughs> no, but thank you for coming on the show. We're going to, it's a little bit of a gamut here. We're going to kind of talk about um, being a buyer's agent. Um, and I kind of wanted to wrap in the do's and don'ts of buying and selling and like really actually target um like a list for listeners to kind of come up with and maybe they'll take notes. Maybe they'll just think that we're crazy and we're wrong. Who knows? Well, it could go either way. It's up in the air right now. So, um, yeah, so I, I do a little bit of being a buyer's agent kind of on the side. And I think that the reason I enjoy doing it is because it's like a little bit of the matchmaker in me. Cause I love for people to find, you know, the right, the right man, you're the right horse. Mr. Their, right. <laughs> yes. Find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, depending. I'm not judging. Um, so I'm really, I love doing it. And I feel like sometimes those of us who have been in the horse buying and selling business for quite some time, we have a lot of, um, I don't say like a lot of knowledge that we can bring into it, but also cutting through a lot of the BS. And I've bought horses for people, uh, from the price range of like, I would like a kid safe, dead broke, lesson horse, seven to 10 years old. That's sound. And I have $1,500, you know? And so I've, I've dealt with that and I've dealt with the, like, I just bought a horse for somebody in 
the the buyer is in Oregon and the seller was in England and I'm in Oklahoma. And so I navigated all of that for everybody too. And I think a lot of it is uh, having a, an agent cuts down a lot of the BS. Right. Well, and they know what questions to ask yes. that maybe the buyers, the buyers are have they're going in with, um, I don't know, we can call it like champagne eyes. They're like, Oh my God, this shiny, beautiful thing is yes. in front of me. <laughs> And meanwhile, we're like, so when was the last time it was lame? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you too, know, the things like that, you know, just the nitty gritty questions that nobody really wants to. Well, ask. You, you talk about champagne eyes. I mean, I think one of the most important things about being somebody's agent is buying the horse that they need, not always the, the horse that they want. Yep. Okay. An example of that is recently I was asked to help find, I would like a novice to training level event horse, something that is going and they had a, a substantial budget because horse prices right now are through the roof. <laughs> and yeah, so they, they gave me a substantial budget and said, okay, we, we need a novice to training level horse. So I contacted several eventers that I know, and I got videos of the horses and I put together a trip for these people. And I finally was like, Hmm. Let me, can I see some video of your daughter riding and bless her heart? They sent me the video and I was like, Oh no, 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 you do not need a horse. That's going training level. You need a horse that, you know, could go on a hunt field and, and pack around a little bit. So you gotta get kind of help them decipher what they want and what they need and do not let people buy by. I only want a gray horse. I'm like, well, then you're going to fall in love with a plain bay one. Yep. <laughs> you know? That always yep. happens. Well, and I just recently actually tried a horse for a lady on the other, on the other turn who, you know, wanted a packer. This is what she told me. She wanted a packer that she could put people on um, that could go ride around that she could ride on the farm three days a week. Um, and she actually had a very healthy budget, like upwards, you know, we're talking mid five figures. And then she sent me a video of a three-year-old off the track thoroughbred <laughs> and then come to find out he's not even three. He's two. He's turning three, you know, like it, it, he's technically three for their year, but he's actually still two. And, and he was a late full. So he's, properly still too. And I was like, what is this lady? So, you know, I'm talking to her, I'm doing my homework. I'm asking her all these questions. Okay. You want to be able to only ride three days a week, but you're going to try and off the track thoroughbred. You're going to, you know, and, and trying to kind of point her in the right direction. So I still go out and I try the horse and I'll be damned if it wasn't the, you know, all considering he can change. He's only two turning three, the perfect horse. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That's dead great. quiet. And I actually went into the situation going, this horse is not for her. Yeah. And I am going to have to basically talk this woman who has already vetted the horse out of him. Oh gosh. And then was like, huh, he You're steers like really well. He has a lead change. 
he, and this is for a girl that wants to do local hunter stuff. Um, and, and she has another horse that is doing a lot more. So this is just a project that she wants to keep on her farm and just do on the side. And it's so, funny. She started out wanting a packer and now she's like, Oh yeah, sure. Let's just go ahead and get an, a two year old. But again, sometimes you find the horse that they need, not always the one that they want, but sometimes it's like, yeah, I really can't see any reason for you to not buy this horse. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it, it all just weird. The world, the horse world is weird. <laughs> well, I think what I wanted to talk a little bit about was the fact that so many people are buying horses sight unseen, you know, like they're buying horses off of videos. Mm -hmm. So I call that sight unseen because you haven't actually seen the horse with your eyeballs. Um, and some of the, the, the things to look for in that. And, and that's why having somebody like you or me to be able to look at these videos, I, I can see a lot more in a video than you and I can see more in the video than, than most, you know, yeah. I don't think I'm blinded by, uh, how pretty it is or how nice a mover if I'm seeing it, you know, get hollow in the corners or the videos, uh, they leave out the canter transition and then they just show the horse cantering by. You yeah. know, like, why did you not show me the canter transition or why is the horse not halted? I want to see in a video where I am, you know, if, if, if somebody wants to buy this horse side unseen, I want to see all the things. Well, and when they're all. overly edited, you know, oh, you, yeah. you just see like, wow, they jumped that 150, like five stride line, uh, multiple times, but you didn't see him go through the corner. You didn't see yeah. him, you know, finish the lead, you know, like, I, I don't know. Or I want to see a whole course. I want to yes. see something where they're going through the corners. Did they get their lead changes? Um, and then, yeah, did they halt afterwards, pat the horse? And did it walk off or did it bolt off? You know, another one too is the music. Oh my God. Could you please not like put like this ground swell of emotional music behind it? You know, I always try to listen to the, um, the, the, the people talking, if there's somebody talking in the video, but if it's music, I turn that down. Like I oh, don't yeah. need to be emotionally affected by, you know, the fact <laughs> that you're playing Prince you know, when doves cry underneath this song and I'd love that song. So now I'm going to love the horse or whatever, you know, that's a big one, uh, to yep. me, but the questions to ask, you know, you said you wanted to go through a little bit of a, a list. Um, the questions to ask are the ones that aren't always in the ad, you know, like how old is it? How tall is it? You know, some of the questions that I want to get to the bottom of is what is this horse's story? You know, it came from somewhere. It was born somewhere. It was started somewhere and somehow you got it. And how much time is in between those two? It seems like the less you pay, the less of a story you get. Cause uh, I don't know. I just got them from the kilt pen or whatever, you know? And, and then you go all the way up to like, oh, this horse was at this person's farm and was sent to this horse for training. But ask those questions. I don't want any blank spots in the horse's history. So don't hesitate to really dig in and find out. And then if you find out that, oh, that person used to own it, call them, find out what the horse did. There's no, th that person has no reason to lie to you. If the horse has sold twice since then, you know, so you're going to get more of a story, um, who the horse who had it before that. And, um, why is the horse being sold? Yep. Why? Oh uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I got that. No, but for real. <laughs> why are you selling this horse? And Kayla, I think my favorite question to ask people, and this is the most telling of how somebody responds is I will ask them, 
What is the absolute worst thing about this horse? What is the worst thing? And you will get a gamut of answers. People do not know how to answer that question. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm now thinking, what are the worst things about my horses? Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because, and, and, and if somebody goes, man, nothing. There is nothing. There's nothing that irritated. Liar. There's no worst thing. <laughs> you, my friend, are lying. <laughs> because that's like asking, what's the worst thing about your husband? Uh, and then yeah. you, you know there's things, but you don't want to say them, right? So listen, he leaves his towels on the floor. Well, you know what? Put your things in the hamper. You want them next to the hamper? Put them in the hamper. So like, there's things like that. And if people say there's nothing bad, even my favorite horse in my barn. I has a worse thing about him. Like he is food aggressive. He paws when he eats, you know, give me something because no horse is probably, you know, it's not really good at fly spray. What are you talking about? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I think that that's actually the best question. And I didn't quite think about it, but the other day I had a client that bought a horse and we were riding around and the guy that's, um, helped facilitate bleh, I can't even say the word facilitate the sale was on the ring. And he's like, Oh, aren't you happy? Don't you love him? What's the one thing you hate about him? And the girl like turned and looked at him and was like, what? I don't hate him. And she, he's like, I know, but what's the one thing that you don't like about him? And she was like, Oh, I guess maybe his ground manners on the ground. He's like, Oh, that's good. At least you like riding him. Okay, cool. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like uh, is the worst thing about him manageable to me? So I just, I do a lot of horse adoptions where I have people's, uh, a rescue group actually sends me horses to train and other horses, but these horses that come from the rescues, I restart off the track. They are off the track, but they also have been sent to a rescue. So I never know the story on these horses. It just what, what kind of the person who drops it off decides to tell the rescue owner. So it's, it's a little bit of a deciphering kind of like what has been done, what hasn't been done, where the holes are. And I just adopted this horse to this. Oh my gosh, he is the sweetest horse in the world. Oh, love him. Not a thing. I mean, he's like that two-year-old you were describing. And then uh, I've gotten to know him over the month. And so they came out to see him and they're like kind of asking me this gamut of questions. And I was like, Oh, here it comes. They were like, well, what is the one thing like he really needs to like to work on? And I was like, where is he going to live? And she's like, and this, uh, da, 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 da. I was like, okay, this horse, if another horse walks up while he's eating his grain, will murder him. So you have to make sure that this horse is in a enclosed area where he can't see anybody else when he eats his grain. And, you know, maybe he's been starved before. Maybe again, I don't know the story, but something about this horse has made him incredibly protective over his food. And they were like, well, what about humans walking up? So I did a video today of me walking up, petting him and while he's eating and he was totally fine with me, but like other horses, that's another story. So that was the worst thing I could tell them about that horse was his behavior in the stall when he's eating is aggressive. So you got to know all of those things, but then also the most important thing is to know when to walk away. Do you know what you can deal with and what you can't and what your trainer can help you with or what your trainer can't help you with or what lamenesses your vet can help you with or what lamenesses you're not willing to accept? Those are also other things that are important. Absolutely. And what's the one, the biggest takeaway? Like if you had to tell someone one word of advice when they're going to look at a horse. Get help. Because, oh my gosh, 
how many times I've taken children to see horses. And I'm like, listen, I want you to look at me. Look at me. Listen to me. When we go to see that horse, you walk up to it. Do not look at that horse's face. Do not. Don't look at that horse's face. Don't look at his eyeballs. (laughs) Don't look at his eyeballs. Don't look at his face. Just look at the horse. And I am not kidding you. I have walked up to horses with children and you can like look at them and their eyeballs have turned into heart shapes. It's like that cartoon heart beating out of their chest. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> but I love why. him. Yeah. I, but I love him so much. Oh my God. And I'm like, that is why you hired me. Yes. So I can help you because that horse is going, you know, it's just not sometimes looks and, and whether they match up with you are not going to work out. So that is what I would say is get some help, get, even if you don't hire an agent, um, get help from, from trusted friends and, and, Anybody that knows anything about horses, ask Kayla. I, I charge 10% of the original purchase price is my commission. I You have to pay my travel expenses, but that's all. That's what the commission covers is just like, okay, I'm going to do all, I'm going to do hours and hours of work so I can present you with 20 minutes of work. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I'll yeah. do, I'll, I'll filter everything. I'll ask all the people. And then when I come to you, I'm going to present to you a nice, neat little package of things that you are allowed to look at, but you are not allowed to look at anymore because they have not been seen by me. <laughs> so get some help. Well, so you mentioned that you work with off the track thoroughbreds and I've ridden, um, for Jessica Redman, who was on the show last, uh, last couple episodes. And I had an auditor question, if okay. you don't mind answering. And for the people that don't know, auditors are super listeners and they're extremely awesome and they have their own Facebook page. So everyone should go be an auditor. Um, Glenn, if people want to be an auditor and ask <laughs> questions and be a participant on the show, how do they do that? I'm going to record this part. Um, so you go to <laughs> horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right-hand side of the page. You'll see the auditor banner. Click on that for as little as $3 a month. You too can join the party. Anyway, carrying on. And carrying on. Um, So I put in the auditor page that we are going to be recording and asked them what they would like to hear about. And they were, I mean, the amount of questions I got, I was like, whoa, okay, I've got a couple episodes (laughs) all lined up now. Um, But we're going to go into, they want to hear about the opinions of the prices of off-the-track thoroughbreds going up. And I want your opinion. Cause you work with that rescue. So all the horses at the rescue, it's just horse and hound rescue foundation in Guthrie, Oklahoma. They are all $1,000. Okay. So, so not every, every horse is going up. And I, I do a lot of work with new vocations too on retired racehorse radio, which is an, another show I host and, and their prices are really, really fair. Um, I think it's, I think it's great that there's value in an off the track thoroughbred because for so long there was not any value in an off the track thoroughbred and it it made them a very expendable. But Mm -hmm. now that there might be a a value, which is kind of what the whole thoroughbred makeover, the retired racehorse project was supposed to be with Stuart Pittman. He was like, I want to give these people, he's the one created it. I want to give these, these trainers and these owners a reason to retire their horses when they're sound. So it is fantastic that prices are going up. Now, am I going to pay $7,500 for a three-year-old directly off the track? Absolutely not. So again, get help. 
find somebody to help you because like I, I don't know there something is only worth what somebody will pay for it. Yep. And and if somebody is going to pay $7500 for an off the track thoroughbred, then that horse was worth that. But I'm not going to pay that. I can't think of a reason one would be worth that coming directly off the track, unless I don't know, it's American Pharaoh or Zenyatta like <laughs> retired. I'll pay you whatever you want for those guys. If you let me have them. But anyway, uh, I, the, the pr price is going up. Great. You don't have to go with that. If you're willing to sign a contract, you know, and, 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 and find a rehoming agency that is very honest, has a good, um, social media presence because that makes them accountable. And as somebody who's also certified, there are certifications that certain rescues have to go through like the thoroughbred Alliance TAA accreditation needs to be part of that. Um, or they have to be in the process of getting it, you know, see what accreditations these rescues have. Um, and, and then you'll be able to find a horse in your price range. So I think they still have, have you know, you can find new vocations horses for $500 and, and they may have uh, some baggage from the track injuries or something, but then you can also go, you know, as high as you want to, too. So I don't know if that answered the question, but going up prices. Awesome. But Yes. No, I think it's fantastic. Um, and having ridden for Jessica, um, and talked to her about it as well. I mean, the prices straight off the track for horses that are maybe are retiring sound or they never made it to the racetrack because, because, uh, trainers are also stopping a lot earlier. They're not even trying because it costs so much to keep them at the track yeah. as well. So they're like, okay, we're just going to stop now. But those people have, have caught on as well a little bit. And so sometimes the prices that resellers are purchasing them at is much higher. Plus then they've got to pay to get the horse to their farm. They've got to pay to take the race plates off and put regular shoes on, um, you know, and if they need ulcer medication and stuff like that, they're, they're the really good resellers are doing all of those things. Yes, exactly. So then, you know, that adds to their, then their price of whatever they bought them for X and they've got to add Y, then you're presented with Z because at the end of the day, it's still a business and they do need to make money. Um, so, you know, it, they have to make a profit off the horse. Um, so, you know, but I think it's great that the prices are going up because then it means that they're going to hopefully end up in better homes and we're not yeah. finding horses in kill pens or then the rescues are having to go in and, and save these animals. Um, so, I mean, I think it's great. Um, and with the retired resource project, they've put in, you know, so much foundation. I know there's a lot of, they're trying to, in the hunter jumper world, it seems to offer more thoroughbred classes in both the hunters and the jumpers and, and with prize money. So now there's more incentive for people to, to get their off the track thoroughbred and go mm -hmm. and show and, and their classes are filling up. So that's, it's really, I think it's fantastic. I don't know where in the world you could go and purchase a warm blood that has been started and had a lot of experience and seen a lot of things for $2,500.
Yeah. You can't, but you can find a track horse. And I don't know what Jessica sells her horses for, but even up to a to $6,500, $7,500, these yeah. horses have a lot of uh, experience, a life experience. You know, they've been started. They've been sent to the, they, uh, you know, they call it the breaker. They call send, start, yeah. send them to that. Then they go to the track and then they have day-to-day experience there and they've seen a lot of stuff. And hopefully as long as somebody was nice to them and they came off the track in mental and physical good help, I mean, good health. I can't, I can't see where you would ever find that in a warm blood for under you know, I mean, you deal with warm bloods more than I do, but thousands. Foals start at, we're, oh, we're yeah. talking upwards of like 10 to 15 oh, yeah. for a foal. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, uh, and if then you want to get on the ride, up. get one of the thoroughbreds. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to, but if you want that super fancy dream baby, maybe that <laughs> the foal is the way to go. Not yeah. knocking either. I've done them both. <laughs> Okay, we have time for one more question and then I'm going to let you go because we got to get to Mr. Mark. But um, let's talk about trials for sale horses. Um, Do you do trials? I do. Okay. Um, I, because... If I'm selling a horse my, uh, of mine, now, now the, the horses at the rescue, if they don't work out, you can send them back. Um, right. But the horses that I've trained, and, and this is a terrible business practice, but like I love them all and want them all to be in the absolute most perfect home and, and we'll go through great links to make sure that the owner is happy uh, with the horse because that was the whole goal of taking a horse and training it is so they go on and educated horse is going to have a better life. So that's what I'm here to do is provide some education and improve the life of the horse. So that being said, um, I've been burned, but I've been burned less. uh, So I offered the trial one time and they vetted him two weeks after and he didn't pass a vet. It turned out they've been jumping him in a lesson every day. Mm. I'm like, that's soreness dispensaries. Well, that's weird. I don't know. And then I find out later they jumped him every day. So sale went fell through, but maybe that wasn't the right horse for that person. And, and it ended up working out fine in the end. So, um, as it is now, I offer the horse for typically 30 days. Um, because again, I mean, 30 days, that's so long to to, uh, some two weeks, some 30 (laughs) kids, kids, I give them a little more time because I, you know, that's important. Um, but they have to get ensure this horse up and down. I mean, up and down and they have to fill out lots of forms that say, okay, I'm going to have the horse. They have to have, bring the insurance policy. They have to do, um, major medical mortality and loss of use. And, and, um, I'm trying to think like they have to, if they want to return the horse, it has to be approved by a veterinarian. If they're saying there's something wrong with it, they have to vet the horse on at, during their time while they have yeah. it. So there, there's a whole lot of set in place, but yeah, I'm, re- I'm really pretty lenient about that. Even though I've been burned because I just, what happens if they take the horse home and a week later, they're like, we didn't want this one. It doesn't work out. This is not the right horse. Well then, they're stuck finding somebody and Kayla in my brain, every horse ends up on a truck to Mexico. So I'm like, they, then they take the horse to the local auction and they sell it and they sell it and they sell it. And all of a sudden the horse is on truck to Mexico. And that's not what I want for my horses. So I, I, I just took a horse back. I, two, about a year ago that I had sold 10 years ago and 
I had always told him, I'm like, if he gets really, he was really special to me. And I said, if he gets old and you can't take care of him anymore, you don't want him anymore, send him back. So 10 years later, <laughs> they bring me the horse back. They're like, you still want him? Yeah, sure. So I kept him for a year and we just had to put him down a couple weeks ago. It was really sad, but at least he went that way yep. as opposed to on a truck. To Mexico. to Mexico and it's not for <laughs> vacation. So I'm over dramatic. I know, but it's, it's just, I, you know, it's real, real life sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I don't do trials myself because I've been burned and I've seen people be burned, um, where they're doing just what you said, jumping them every single day because they've got to, you know, test the horse out they want to make sure that it's the right fit. And like, I mean, it, it makes people crazy a little bit. So, um, so I tend to not do trials myself. Um, but you have a facility where they could come and ride it yes. as many times as they want. Correct. Ab absolutely. And I, and I do encourage, like, I'm like, Hey, stay the weekend. The local hotels are this, this, and this, and let's try them. I've got a little derby field. You can go out and jump the ditches, banks, uh, we can try them in the ring. You can go hack them down the road. Um, if it's appropriate, you know, whatever you guys need to do. And like, I've taken horses, um, to cross country schooling facilities so that they can take them through water and things like that. Like down in Ocala, it's a lot easier cause you can kind of motor them around. Um, but I just find that sometimes people get a little crazy or, you know, you don't always know who you're selling to. So then maybe the horsemanship isn't what you would do or what the horse's program is used to. And maybe they need to build up to their program. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's always two sides of a coin. Um, and, but I, I have also known people that do do trials and uh, I would say ensure that the people have to provide insurance on that horse while they have it in their care. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, otherwise, oof, yeah. And, um, and everything's in writing like, okay, well, you're providing insurance, but you're also paying the bills. You're going to yep. take care of it if it needs its feet done. All, all the things that come with it, it's all on you. So you have to be really careful on how the contract is worded. And, you know, again, the theme for the day get help, you know, find somebody to help you write this contract, a lawyer. Um, so make sure that everything is in writing. All the paperwork is completely done. And I, you're also not leaving here without giving me the money. <laughs> so exactly. Know. And I definitely do not do payment plans. No. Oh, you mean you're going to take the horse and I'm just going to trust you to give me money every month. Yeah. That's not happening. No. <laughs> Sorry. You can, uh, talk that, talk about that to the bank. And yeah. I am, I am <laughs> not your bank. <laughs> exactly. I can't affect your credit. So you, you yeah. have to deal with somebody else. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm sure Glenn's been super quiet. He's like hiding from us. He's like, uh, He's over me. <laughs> I've already talked enough. to her I have today. To listen to her all the time. I thought I'd let you, you know, have the opportunity. Us girls gab. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show, Jamie. And where can we find you if people uh, want you to represent them? Man, you can find me anywhere. Uh, Horses in the Morning is one of the podcasts I do, Retired Race Horse Radio, also on the Horse Radio Network. But you can contact me. Either my email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com or my Facebook page, the training page that I have, is called Flyover Farm Jamie Jennings Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. 
It's a lot just it's searching a for Yeah, but <laughs> but I had to get it all in, you know. You only got one chance. No. Make a first impression. So yeah, flyover farm, Jamie Jennings. You can find it on Facebook there. And I love helping people and I love horse shopping and I love well, I love all of it. I just love horses. And Kayla, I love you. I love Not you. So much, but yeah. love you. Bye, Jamie. <laughs> Bye y'all. And coming up next, we have Mark Donaldson of Unionville Equine Associates to come on. And I've I've kind of given him a little bit of free reign, Glenn, um, which is a little nerve wracking. I to didn't give think we did that. that with him. I thought we had uh, a rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to go around. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. It's After been, that intro, he's going, why am I here? I don't need this <laughs> abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. We've had so many questions. Everyone's like, where is Mark? We love I'm, I'm, his... That's That's good to hear. I'm glad that I, I'm glad people want to hear from me. That's not, that's unusual for me. <laughs> I know. Nobody really wants to talk to the vet, but no, they want no, to talk to the vet when... They want to talk when to the vet when problem. they're not getting the bill. Yeah, when it's free. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. When it's free, exactly. That's even better, right? You have to talk to the vet. It doesn't cost me. <laughs> that's okay. I saw him a couple days ago, so I'm paying for we're, it somehow. We're, <laughs> so, we're making up for it. They want yeah. to <laughs> So anyways, so I wanted to have you back on the show. Um, I also, I'm giving you free reign to talk about... Um, a few things we just talked about with Jamie, um, buyers agents, which I know you mentioned you wanted to chat about. And then I also was hoping you might be able to answer a few auditor questions and auditors are super listeners. And they had a few questions that I thought were right up your alley. Okay. Can we start with that? That sounds good. Since you already just talked about, uh, well, no, well, well, I think you had a very good point about the agent. So let's, let's chat about that and then we'll fit in the questions at the end. Okay. All right. Well, I was thinking about, since I like to vet horses and I vet a lot of horses and I fortunately get to follow some of them to see them be successful or unsuccessful. And I always want to know, you know, was there something different I could have done to, if that horse isn't successful and it's new home? Did I, did I miss something or should I have done something different or what, what was the issue? And, and um, I, I find that w- one of the most common reasons why a horse doesn't work out for the new owner is more just a, mitch, a mismatch. It isn't because they became lame or ill or something like that. Frequently, it's, it's just sort of a mismatch between, you know, horse and, and rider. And so I, I think about that a lot when I'm you know, vetting a horse and it makes me feel good when there's a professional involved that's guiding uh, a, a buyer to make sure that this is a, a good decision that they're making. And um, I was talking to my daughter recently about the fact that I like my job because I get to work with other professionals. You know, I work with farriers and I work with nutritionists and dentists and uh, excellent trainers like you, Kayla, and, and I learn from them. You know, I learn a lot from the trainers that, that I work with, and uh, I find that rewarding. But I think those trainers that I work with are also wonderful agents and advocates for people buying horses. And probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to someone that's deciding to acquire a horse is to find an agent, find a trainer uh, that they're working with currently that they have trust in, 
in a good relationship with someone that knows them well to help them acquire that next horse. And uh, I realize that sometimes other people know us better than we know ourselves. You know, I might want a, a fast Italian sports car, but what I really need is a used old SUV, you know? So well, you are a vet, example. so you need things uh, to carry your gear. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. But I love the little, you know, I love the little sports car, but not very practical for my job. So could you imagine showing say, up? <laughs> to exactly. Like, you, you probably say you're paying me too much, right? If yeah. Well, the vet shows up in a Lamborghini, you have to worry. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Exactly. You know, so. Uh, yeah, when we pull up to the surgeon's office, yep. there's a Lamborghini right outside, and nobody thinks twice about that. That's a good point. Yeah, no, we we have to we have to maintain a certain level of humility. In <laughs> so. But so, um, I mean, that's a very yeah. good point. And I the the last um, person we interviewed, Jamie, she she had um, a very similar point, and I used um, the term champagne goggles. So, because I find that buyers sometimes have, you know, we can call them champagne goggles, diamond goggles, like whatever. It's sparkly, it's fizzy, it's beautiful. Um, I, I must, it, I must right. have it. Yes. Um, right. And sometimes it's not the right must have. Um, right. You know, because again, I too would love a Lamborghini, but um, that doesn't have four wheel drive and isn't going to get me across the field um, right. after a rain. I need something you know, to haul my trailer and to get me across the field after it's rained. So I need a truck, um, yeah. you know, and, and things like that. And then sometimes, um, you know, like I will, as a professional, I have to, when I'm looking at horses, really take a step back and, and I make a list of pros and cons of the horse, you know, that I see from videos and things like that. And then I consult with with you. So everyone consults with someone, you know, I'll send you the video because right. right. yep. I've done it because I've bought off, off video, uh, from yep. overseas. Cause that's terrifying. Um, and, um, and I send you the video and the x-ray that they have on file. We chat, you go, okay, well, I notice it moves like this. And, um, you know, so even if you're the professional, you still find other professionals, uh, to right. get their point right. of view. Um, and whatnot. So why wouldn't, you know, the, the average horse buyer find someone to consult, you know, whether you're paying them or not is, is different, but yeah. you know, okay, maybe you don't have a trainer, but you have a really good friend that rides at the barn that you ride at, you know, send the videos back and forth to them, send it, you know, you know, ask other people, you can find resources or, and then, but, I really do recommend finding a professional that, that does this for a living, at least rides and competes or does the, whatever the intended purpose is for the horse. Yeah. If, if nothing else, they're more objective, you know, about like right. you say, if you get, you know, you get emotional about a horse that you see that you like and you, you want to have it, but someone else might come along and be more objective to say, Oh, really? Is that, is that probably the best horse for you? And I can see this issue or that. And, so I think when we're buying something, we sometimes lose our our objectivity, or maybe the other way around. We need to push to say, "Hey, this is really the best horse for you. Really, you know, you should go forward with this situation. This is a great yeah. situation for you. You know, well, you know, you're hesitant because it, you know, it doesn't have this quality or that quality. But I really think it's not as important as these other great qualities that it has. So someone that else is maybe a little bit more objective about what we need and 
you know, sifting out what we need versus what we want, you know, which is sometimes two different things. So I think having someone else, someone else involved in the process can, you know, can be huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, most people aren't going to go buy a house without having a realtor. So, you know, yeah, I, that's a great example. I even wrote that down for preparation for tonight. I, 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 one of the first houses I bought, I had a great realtor who I knew I could trust. And one of the reasons I knew it was because I was ready to buy a house. I'm thinking, Oh, this is the one I want. I found it and asked him to set up the, the, the viewing. We went and looked at it and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. And I said, I really like this. And he's like, yeah, it's a nice house. He says, but did you think about such and such? And I was like, no, I didn't think about that. He says, well, if you ever want to resell this house, that's going to bother some people. And I think you'll have some trouble selling it. And I was like, wow, never thought about that. That's a really good point. And I realized at that time that I could trust him because had I gone forward, he would have gotten his commission and I would have bought a house that might have, might have had difficulty reselling. And he was in it for the long game. Like he's like, okay, I really want to do the right thing for this person and make sure that we have a good relationship for a long time. And I even use that advice now when someone's buying a horse, I'll ask if resale is a desire, and uh, even if it isn't, I might say, hey, if you fall out of love with this horse in a year or two and decide it's not the, the one for you, think about what your exit strategy is. You know, will you be able to resell the horse? You know, if, you know, let, let's discover now whether that's going to be, a, you know, an issue for you. And certainly no one goes into buying a horse thinking they're going to you know, most people don't resell it. A lot, <laughs> I was going to say, well, the, well <laughs> a lot of times it is the purpose. Yeah, it is the right. purpose. And that's a different, that's a different story. But, but that's a different subject. Because, yeah, it's a different subject, but most people are buying it because this is, you know, this is the horse I want to have for the rest of my life and compete and do great on. Yep. And, uh, but it's a good time to start thinking about resale at that time. Not, not afterwards. And do you like to deal? So when you're doing the pre-purchase, and do you then only deal directly with the agent maybe representing, or do you want to talk to both the buyer and the buyer's agent? I, I do both. I think the, ultimately the, the buyer's writing the check and they deserve to have my attention and have their questions answered and, and that sort of thing. So I, I always give them as much attention and, and time as they need to consult with me. I think that including the agent is really helpful and necessary um, because they can help interpret some of the things I say. If I say something is not clear, or I use some jargon or whatever. They can say, oh, "Well, what do you mean is this?" Or you know, that's a good point that he brings up, and maybe you should consider this. And and so I, I do like having them both involved. And I'd almost I know it's a little extra work to to maybe to explain things to two different parties or, or in different ways. But I generally find it a really good thing to have the, the agent involved. It gives me a level of comfort. Sometimes the agent brings up um, questions or suggestions that that maybe I hadn't been aware of um, as far as the, the buyer's needs or previous experience or desires, um, future issues uh, with the horse's potential and, and uh, use. Um, so they, the, the agent's... Um, uh, I find them to be, in general, very, you know, very helpful. There are other there are professionals that do this for a living, or at least they train or ride or work with horses for a living, and I find that really helpful. So, when you're going into a pre-purchase, um, 
Do you like it when the seller has x-rays on file? Um, to that maybe you yeah. can reference prior to doing the pre-purchase. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's helpful. It gives me a level of uh, hopefully optimism okay. uh, about the situation. Usually, if they're sharing them, it's because there's you know uh, some confidence that, that this is good. If there's some blemish there, then uh, I can give my opinion on it and say, hey, this is a radiographic blemish, but I think it's probably insignificant with regard to the horse's performance in future um, or interpret it in the context of the intended use. If it's an older horse that I mean, we've talked about this a little before, if it's an older horse that is a, um, a warrior and he's done a lot, well, there might be some abnormalities in the radiograph, but if he's going to be used for a less intense purpose, it might be less, less relevant. Right. If resale is an issue, that's different, you know, so, or we could, depending on how long ago the radiographs were, they might be useful to compare um, to what's like going on now. Uh, yeah, right. Has it has this abnormality that was present three or four years ago, you know, has it changed much, if not at all? Well, then maybe the significance of that abnormality is even, even less. So now don't. as a seller, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for a minute for as a yeah. seller, what x-rays like, so if you wanted to have a basic, uh, set of x-rays to have on file. Maybe you're not going to x-ray the whole body because um, mm -hmm. that's expensive and probably more than most horses are worth. Yeah. Um, what films would you recommend uh, people yeah. invest in? Well, it's, it's common in Europe to take uh, more so than in the States um, to take maybe one or two views of each joint. You know, each foot, fetlock, hock, stifle, maybe back. Um, and they, the, the views that are chosen are ones that are most likely to show the important abnormalities. So that's sort of a, a way of hedging. Um, you're gambling a little bit that you're going to take some, you know, take less radiographs, but take the ones that you think are most important. And that can be useful. It's a risk, though, and I always explain the risk in that. If if someone decides they they want to have they want to do that in the context of their own purchase exam, that they're taking a risk that if we take one or two views of that joint and they buy the horse, that um, there might be something discovered in a complete radiographic series of that joint, which might be five different views that might come up as abnormal, and that might occur as a problem down the road or it might occur in a future resale that, that we didn't see the important uh, view in that one or two that we took of that joint. But now that five are taken, the, the abnormality becomes apparent, but you're saving a fair bit of money. You know, you're taking Absolutely. half or a quarter of the number of radiographs. So you're just, it's a calculated risk and it depends on uh, your level of tolerance for risk. Are you willing to take a chance to save some money or are you a person who wants a, a sure bet? And, and maybe that depends on your the economics, your situation, the value of the horse, your your tolerance or risk, lots of different things, the horse's history, ability, things like that. Now so I yeah. where do you see the most common, you know, abnormalities? And I know that's a very mm -hmm. open like so if somebody just had a budget to maybe do feet and hocks or fetlocks like where would you recommend putting, putting their, their money yeah 
Yeah, I, I think the the front feet and hocks are probably the most common thing that are radiographed. And I think that's probably because they might be the most difficult to assess without radiographs. You know, just the nature of their anatomy makes them maybe more difficult to assess externally um, to say, oh, yeah, I think there's something in there. Some other joints are, as a veterinarian, are easier to assess externally than are the feet and hocks. So I think that's probably why those areas are most commonly radiographed. Mm. I think as far as yep. future issues, though, uh, I, I think the back, unfortunately, is another area. And we, we've already been around this a few times. With, yeah. It's a can of worms. But, yep. but I do think that that's also something to, that, that people should think about because it can be a also difficult and vague thing to interpret the significance of uh, how that would impact a, a rider. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to get uh, a little uh, testy for a minute. Up, I'm going to get my yeah. hackles up. Um, no, not about the back actually. So I had a pre-purchase that I did a couple years ago on a sale horse and we did all the common x-rays um, and I had someone recently uh, pre-purchase them for sale and they did hind fetlock x-rays. Um, uh-huh. How um, common are hind fetlock x-rays done? Because I've seen them done uh, maybe a small handful of times, but I've never had a hind fetlock issue. So I've never done them myself. And, um, and we did end up finding something on the x-ray, um, you know, very minor it wasn't, but it was just very surprising because it was, it was something that I wasn't expecting. It wasn't on your radar. Yeah. It wasn't quite on your radar. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fairly uncommon source of problems, to be honest. Um, there, although I think maybe it's a less common, I think it's more common to see radiographic abnormalities than it is to see them as a source of a performance problem. So horses might have an OCD fragment or the, the fragments of the plantar process, of P1, the, the back of the fetlock are fairly common, but many horses perform quite well with them. So... Yeah, again, it's just a it's just playing the odds about whether you were to radiograph something like that. I uh, the other approach I take with my purchase exams is some people don't know what they want, which is okay. You know, like they come to me saying, you know, this is my first horse that I bought, or I bought one before, but it was years ago, and what should I radiograph? And and one of my answers sometimes is, well, how about if we look at the horse together and decide? You know, sometimes people have a clear idea what they want radiographed going into it. I want this, this, and that radiographed. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Other times they won't know. And I said, well, let's look at the horse together. Let's, let's assess um, whether that horse has any, you know, horse has any confirmational abnormalities, whether it has swelling in a joint, you know, whether lots of things that might contribute to the decision to radiograph a certain area. So like, for example, if a horse had um, joint effusion, extra fluid in a hind fetlock, I would say you probably should radiograph that. You know, there might be a reason why that's there and you might want to know that. Um, so, right. um, so, but, but you don't think that they, you know, do you do hind fetlock x-rays a lot personally or? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I like do. A, I, I do. I do. If I see a, either a conformational issue or a yeah. joint effusion, um, or if the the buyer uh, expresses a desire to have a you know uh, reduce their risk significantly, or sometimes the buyer will just say, "I want to." You know, I had a I had a problem, kind of like you have had now. Yeah. You know, I had a problem once with the horse behind fetlock. I want you to radiograph all four fetlocks. Yep. You know, I've had a horse today where they said all four fetlocks. I said, okay, I have to be clear. Do you want the front or behind or both? All four. They're like, all four. I'm like, okay. So uh, I think a little bit depends on one's, uh, you know, one's experience and right. budget and tolerance, tolerance of risk. Those are probably yep. the three things that go into what people end up radiographing. Previous experience, oh, I've had a horse problem with this joint or that joint or tolerance or risk. I want you to radiograph everything because it really has to be perfect for me. Um, or their budget. Hey, I want you to regraph everything. I'm going to spend a lot of money here, and therefore I want to yeah. make sure that the extra little money on all those radiographs are going to make it all worthwhile. Or the other way around. You okay. know, I'm really on a limited budget. We're not going to take that many radiographs. And so I actually slid in. That was a listener question. Um, and so I'm going to slide in just one more listener question um, with with the um, certain X-rays. So with the X-rays. So say you're vetting a young horse at what age do you think starting to do flexions on is appropriate like are we talking like okay you're vetting a two-year-old or a three-year-old a four-year-old when would you want to start doing flexions yeah part of that um part of the answer is the training of the horse so if it's if it's, if it's well trained and used to standing it's been shown in hand and uh, and it's been managed extensively because of its training and it'll stand and stand quietly and we can get some valuable information because it knows how to, to jog. Well, then maybe it makes sense to do if it's like a three-year-old, but I, I generally horses less than three. I think it's unusual for them to have abnormal flexion tests just because of their age. And on top of that, I think they can be, sometimes can be difficult to ask them to to stand, stand with a limb flex and then the jog off in a way that's useful. All I'm hearing right now is, all I'm hearing right now is you don't want to die. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that too. That too. You're right? like, it's not so, worth it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, you know, so it's like, you know, how much information you're going to get from that situation and what are the likely, what's the likelihood that there's going to be something useful that comes out of it. Right. So, and it's also, you know, yeah, given the training of the horse, it's like, you know, what's, what's a reasonable expectation to have? So some of it has to do with that, but I usually don't flex horses that are, that are younger than three. And like three, cause that's when they're starting work and they're actually, exactly. uh, you know, right. doing things. They're trained. Well, I had right. someone recently ask me cause I bought a foal, um, yep. three, three years ago now, cause she is three. Um, but we bought a foal and somebody's asked me, so what did you do for a pre-purchase? And I was like, I did not do a pre-purchase because I wouldn't know where to start. Would you even start, pre-purchase right. a, a foal? I, I have done some, yeah, I've done some foals, but usually I tell someone to ask me to do that. I said, well, we're going to do a modified examination. I'll listen to the heart, look in the eyes, assess all the, the legs and their confirmation and, and take a feel. And you have to be very efficient when you're vetting a young animal because they don't, they're not going to stand for an hour and a half to be palpated and flexed and all this stuff. So you really have to move quickly and efficiently because um, there's only so much they're going to tolerate before they just start jumping all over you. They're not going to stand. So you have to work, yeah, work quickly and efficiently. And then you're going to modify what you do. Then usually I just watch them maybe free lunge if they're by their dam 
Yeah. Like a full body fan. I'll free lunge them in a safe indoor or a round pen just to see them move, just to see if there's anything there unusual. Fantastic. Well, yeah, because I had no idea with with uh, Millie. Um, now, she did come with a wellness exam. So along the same yeah, lines, so they listened to the, to what I was you know, yeah. Right. yeah, right. Um, but but that's just it's so odd getting into the younger horses, you know, what what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So thank you so much for answering. Yeah. And uh, thank you to the auditors for submitting those questions. Those are fantastic. Um, if people want to call you and set up a pre-purchase or maybe not call, but um, give us your website, uh, how they can contact you, all of the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Unionville Equine Associates is in Oxford, PA. We're in southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, the office number is 610-932-6800. And I'm always happy to answer questions if someone has a question about betting a horse, even if I'm not the one doing it. I'm certainly more than happy to do that. And our um, website is UEA uh, for Unionville Equine Associates, UEA, the ET for vet.com. So, thank you so much for including me tonight, and I hope to come back to the show again soon. Absolutely. I'll give you more heads up next time so then we can, <laughs> we can be organized. So, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doc. Very good. Thank you. All right. Have All right. a good night. Well, that was a great show you put together. I hope it helped people who are looking at buying a horse or selling a horse or one or the other. We're, we're always buying or selling or acquiring. So That's true. <laughs> that is so true. So I wanted to mention that tomorrow we're going to have a best of episode for you. Uh, today, we actually recorded this early. So uh, today, Thursday, I get my second COVID shot. We're not sure what's going to happen with that. Uh, Jennifer does too. And it's also my birthday this weekend. So we're uh, taking the day off tomorrow and gonna. I'm actually going to actually take the day off and not work Perfect. for a change. So that. That'll be special, and hopefully you'll be feeling good uh, the day after I hope so. your shot. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> if, the, if all I do is get sleepy and have to take a 24-hour nap, I'm good with that, too. So Perfect. And then you can wake up and party like a rock star. That's it. Yes, yeah, so I do this so much of that. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we'll be back on Monday with a brand new show. Jamie will be here on Monday. And, of course, Kayla is here. She is here once a month. And if you go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down the middle of the page, and look for the sales episode, Sales and Breeding, you'll find all of Kayla's past episodes. And where do they find you if they want to get in touch with you to be a buyer's agent? So they can find me at Selkuth Sport Horses on Facebook or selkuthsporthorses.com or my personal page, which is Kayla Benny. Um, you know, just hit me up on any of the social medias and I'll, I most likely will respond. It may take me a day or two. I am a horse person and I get lost in the barn for hours. But um, you can also find the links for today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search Horses in the Morning. And you can find all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone or Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And I'd like to take a big special shout out to our title sponsor, Supreme Top Form. They've been fantastic. And they've actually, they have been with us now for over a year. Has it been with over a year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How exciting is that? 
you get to hear me once a month for over a year. <laughs> it just seems like it. Well, you know, this whole year has been weird, right? It's, it, you've had the weirdest year to start out. So, <laughs> no. uh, but it seems like some of it's gone so fast and some of it's gone so slow. It's just weird. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. I, I can't be the only one feeling that way. <laughs> so. No. Well, I I lost a co-host within a year to the kangaroos. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he will be back. He he is not actually gone. He does like us. Um, you know, it's not like it's not any of that, but it's just been a weird year. We've been COVID has made things weird. And I'm glad that people are getting vaccinated. We can hopefully get back to a somewhat normal and I'm not going to use that icky word new normal it's yeah, just it's somewhat normal, normal. Um, and you're somewhat and, normal you're back in Maryland right now yeah yeah you yep. went we've, back from Florida bipolar uh weather over here but we're 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 doing okay and we're su- we're surviving um and uh yeah we're going to get back to normal horse showing a lot and I don't know I'm gonna go have a glass of wine now yeah me too well i think i might have had one before we started so and we are recording this in the evening so nobody gets i was like i shouldn't have said that it's it's supposed to be a daytime show <laughs> <laughs> oh don't you think our listeners have started wine in the morning some days don't you think that's happened oh that sounds delightful yeah. <laughs> i might have a mimosa tomorrow morning anyway so <laughs> thanks everybody we appreciate you stopping by and we'll Thank see you, you all again in a couple of days Perfect. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride.